Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. I want to open with a verse this morning from 1 John. Very challenging verse. 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. Lord, we pray this morning as we open the word of God, And Lord, may you prize our hearts open as well, Lord, as we have much to contemplate on a day like Father's Day. I understand this morning, Lord, that there's many today in this auditorium who struggle with Father's Day because they didn't have a good experience growing up. And yet there's others, Lord, who have had a wonderful childhood and a wonderful father who has nurtured and cared and loved them. And so today, Lord, as we look into accessing the love that you have to give us, I pray today, Father, that you would just heal us, open our hearts, help us to receive that which the Spirit of God has waiting for us today. We pray the anointing of God's Spirit to be upon the Word of God. And we ask today, Lord, that you would shift us, that you would move us closer to you, Lord, and to your open, everlasting arms that are ready and willing and waiting to receive every son, every daughter who makes a move towards heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. See, the Bible doesn't tell us anywhere in any verse, God is power. What it just does say, however, is God is love. And when you've experienced God, then you're able to love people. That's what this verse is saying. So the word know in these verses is not head knowledge, it's experience. When you have experienced God's love, then you're able to love other people. The nature of God is love. Heaven's filled with love. God's plan is to invade the earth with his love. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. God wants to bring this love to the earth. And he's done exactly that in demonstrating his love for the world by giving up his most prized possession, his very only son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to discover today that one of the great truths of the Bible is that God has never, ever, ever in the history of creation desired or designed his creation to be separated from the love of God. And yet we find the world is plunged into chaotic, just messy behavior because there's a vacuum of love in the hearts of leaders, governments, uh, organizations around the world, and everyday people who are who are vacant 
when it comes to knowing and understanding what love is because they've been cut off and separated from the love of God by their own actions and their own behavior. Sometimes generational activity that's come down through the family. So if you've experienced the love of God, then the outcome of it is that you're able to love people the way that God loves people. And the reality of our relationship with God is revealed by how we treat people. You think about that for a moment. The reality of our relationship with God is revealed by how we treat people. Just praying a sinner's prayer and giving my heart to Jesus doesn't qualify you for these verses. That's the very beginning. And God wants to immerse us, saturate us, fill us, overflow us with this connection that he's made a way to access the love that he has to give to the world. Amen. And so the real acid test is if you can't love the person sitting next to you, then how can you say that you can love God? Because that's what (laughs) the verse says. So the question that we've got to answer today is, because our experiences in this room are varied. Our experiences are diverse. We all come from different upbringings, different backgrounds, different cultures, different ethnicities. And so we all carry a different experience of what it means to love. So how can we experience God and his presence? If God is love, then how can we grab a hold of that love and make it part of our life today? You know, God, uh, the Bible teaches us that God is an omnipresent God. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere at once, but his manifest presence isn't everywhere at once. So even though right now, right around the globe, we have an omnipresent God, there are pockets and places that God is turning up in, and he's turning up in homes and people's lives. He's literally manifesting himself so that people actually sense, feel, they have perceptory understanding of the love of God because God has made his presence manifest within their lives. So many want to know the manifest presence of God, to feel what it is like. You know, when God's people were exiting Egypt, in the book of Exodus, we see that God's plan was to take his people out of a lifestyle of slavery under a Pharaoh that never grew up knowing the relationship and the covenant that Israel had with Egypt, and he became a taskmaster. He became like many fathers in the world are today, treating their kids with uh, an unloving manner, with a cruel disposition. When they started complaining, he said, I want you to make more bricks with less straw. That's what slavery to sin feels like. When you don't have a connection with a loving father, your world seems to become harsher and harsher. And the reality of, of that vacuum of love in your life just becomes so much more difficult. And so God raises up a man called Moses. And the reason why he rose rose Moses up within the ranks of the children of Israel was because Moses had one quality, and this was his quality. He hungered for the manifest presence of God. He hungered to know and experience the reality that God said was possible. And so because of that quality and that one characteristic alone, we see that revealed when Moses 
is in, in desperation and he just wants to feel God. He wants to experience him in a new way. And we sung it this morning, that famous line. He said, God, show me your glory. And God took him in the palm of his hand and hit him in the cleft of the rock. And he turned his back because he couldn't see his face because of the intensity of the glory. And, and, and Moses was one who wanted to understand the fullness of what God had to offer because he knew it was life-changing and revolutionary. And so when God gives him this impossible task to lead two million people out of a lifestyle where all they've known is rules, regulations, and slavery to sin, how would you like to be that leader called to lead those two million people? That all I've known is complaining and hardship and difficulty. Sounds a bit like the human race today to me. And so God gives him his assignment. And Moses' response to the assignment is simply this. Who are you going to send to help me? This is a massive task, God. I can't do this on my own. And God responds in the same manner that he wants to respond to your heart that's hungry for spiritual reality this morning. And God says to him in Exodus 33, 14, my presence will go with you, Moses. All you need in your life to be successful is to feel, experience, and understand the reality of my manifest presence, my presence being made real from heaven to earth to feel the tangible touch of God upon your life, and when that presence comes, Moses, I will give you rest. You know, the world right now is crying out with inner and outward turmoil everywhere from continent to continent, nation to nation, experience massive upheavals where there's people ready to push red buttons around the world and launch missiles across oceans and continents. The world is a mad place right now. You know why it's a mad place? Because somehow the world has become even more disconnected from the reality of the manifest presence of Jesus Christ. And when we don't have the reality of that manifest presence in our life, we have no rest for our souls. God says, if you will experience my manifest presence, Moses, then even in the midst of this difficult assignment of leading two million people, I'm going to give you rest, rest from your fears, rest from your insecurities, rest from your anxieties, rest from your depression. I'm going to give you rest in your soul, something that you can't go to the retailer and buy off the shelf and say, I'll have some peace, thank you. I'll have some rest, thank you. You know, today, so many are in need of a rest in their lives from the turmoil of the world. We all are. We're all in the same boat. And I just see happening all around me more and more right now, especially for young people. Two of the most common issues in young people's life is fear and anxiety. And it's only increasing, fear and anxiety. And they don't know, young people don't know what to do with it. They're struggling with it. And it's tangible. It's real. It's affecting people's minds. Mental health issues are going out of control right now in our nation and in the rest of the Western world in particular because we've tried to fill it with so many things instead of coming into contact with the manifest presence of God where God says, I'll give you rest 
from that fear, from that anxiety. And so they've become disconnected. We've become disconnected from the manifest presence of God. You know, when God presence, God's presence comes into our life, I'll never forget it. Coming to know the Lord in my life was incredible, where a year before I became a Christian, I went to visit a flat with a friend of mine. They were looking for a Christian flatmate, and he only went because his mother wanted him to go to the interview. And we went into this committed Christian's house, and he, and he interviewed us, and very quickly he, 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 very quickly he saw right through us that we weren't Christians, that we never attended church, and that we didn't know anything was about. So he took time to explain the gospel to us. And as he was talking to us, both of us felt a manifest presence come into the room. We were, we were both drug users at the time, so we knew what it was like to get on a, a, on a high as a result of experiencing drugs. And when we walked out of that place, we, we, we looked at each other without saying a word, and then I said to him, did you feel that? And he said, did I feel that or what? He said, what was that? And I said, I don't know. I've never experienced anything like it in my life. A year later, I came to Christ, and I experienced that same thing on a daily basis within my life. Because you see, friends, the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy people's lives. And the main way that he does it is separating the human race from their heavenly father so they never get to experience the manifest presence and the father's love that is on offer to every God is love. And so if God is love and we get separated from it, then what we're doing is that we're going on a search. We're going on a pilgrimage to try and discover that love. And so we, we pop pills. We take drugs. We get into alcohol. We try and find it in relationships. We try and find it, make more money, more money. And we turn to all these alternatives to try and fill that vacuum of love that's within our hearts. But we can never, ever, ever fill it until we come into contact with the one who made us and created us and designed us for relationship with himself. So when the presence of God comes into your life, here's a few things that happen. First thing that you notice is that peace comes into your soul. Peace. The old hymn writer, peace like a river, flowing into your soul. And one of the clearest ways that you and I know that something's not quite right in our lives is when that peace gets disturbed where there's troubled waters brewing in our hearts. The Bible says in Colossians, let the peace of God rule within your hearts. So if you're lacking peace and there's an inner disturbance in your soul, then there's something that's happened that's disconnected you from the presence, the presence that brings you rest, the presence that brings you that peace. Amen, church? And it's robbing you from experiencing that peace in your life. The second thing is that you'll discover that there's a joy that comes that's not related to winning lotto, that's not related to circumstantial things that are going on around your life. In other words, I'm going to have a good day today if everybody is kind to me and everybody speaks nicely to me, but if somebody says something wrong, my day is destroyed. That's not the, that's not the joy that we're talking about. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is our strength. The joy 
is not based on circumstances being all lined, all your ducks lined up in a row. That's not what we're talking about. This is an inner joy that comes from relationship with your heavenly Father that exudes through your soul and manifests itself internally within your life that even if all hell is breaking loose around you, you still have an inner joy that is able not to be drowned or destroyed or put out because it's there because the manifest presence of God is in our lives. Hallelujah. The third thing is that you'll find that there is, uh, and it's a little bit like some who prophesied this morning. He says, the Lord's saying, loosen up. You're too uptight. <laughs> You're too uptight. The third, third one is refreshing. And this is what the Bible says about refreshing. Acts 3.19, repent. What does repent mean? People think that's such a negative word. They, when they think about repentance, they think of Christians standing on street corners with big billboards shaking angrily at the people. Repent, turn or burn. That's what they. That's what conjures in their mind so much. With the re, but the word repentance is the greatest word in the human language because it's it simply means this. Repentance means change your mind and the attitudes of your heart to do with what you're doing. And when you do that, you'll pave a way for all the good things that heaven has for you to come into your life. But you're not going to get it unless you change the way that you're thinking about the things that you're doing. So he says, change the way that you're thinking. Be converted. Allow the Holy Spirit to do a heart change within your life that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from where? The presence of the Lord. The manifest presence of God has the power to refresh your soul. You know, when someone has an asthma attack, their airways close up. They can't breathe. Their chest gets tight. You can see that my father was a, he was a um, terrible asthmatic. In fact, it's what killed him in the air. And I used to watch him go through an asthma attack and the panic on his face and the uptightness in his whole body would contract as he was struggling just to get one breath. Well, refreshing, the literal meaning of that word is the opposite of what you would see in an asthma attack. It means that you can be freed up, that you can be relaxed, that you can shake loose all that uptightness that's going on within your life, that you can be refreshed, that you can breathe properly because the manifest presence of God will bring times of refreshing into your soul this morning. And the fourth one, obviously, is one that we all that we all focused on today is that that's of love, a deep inner knowing that you are loved, that you are loved. So many people have no idea what love is. They're still searching for real love. When you know you are loved, there is such an inner confidence and security that comes into your life. It doesn't matter what people say about you to you, around you, you are absolutely secure because you know there's unconditional love that is directed towards you by God. Your Father loves you today. So God wants us to teach us on this Father's Day, this is what he wants to teach us. He wants us to learn how to access, how to access the Father's presence and the Father's love in our lives. You know, some people recoil when, when the disciples saw Jesus' prayer life and they saw how effective his prayer was. 
You know, every time Jesus prayed, there was perfect results. Okay, so they're looking at this, you know, wow, that back that's been bent over for 12 years, completely healed, that cripple's been made whole. You know, the man waiting by the pool of Siloam, paralyzed since birth, waiting for the angels to stir the waters. Jesus speaks to him, he's healed. So they see his prayer life is so powerful and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he opens the Lord's Prayer with two words that so many people find so difficult to pray with conviction, our Father. They can't manage to conjure up a paternal uh, concept of Daddy, of Papa, of Abba Father, of a male figure that loves them because their upbringing has been the opposite direction. And so they don't understand that there is such a thing as a Father in Heaven who loves them. And they struggle, and they struggle. But you see, Jesus, he was the perfect model to demonstrate the Father's love because he said, my Father and I are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There was such an alignment in Jesus' life that he was an extension into the world of his heavenly Father. Their oneness was unbreakable. It was so interconnected that if you saw Jesus, you experienced the Father. I wonder if that's what people say about our lives. Can they feel that we're an extension of heaven because we're carrying that love in such a dimension that wherever we go, people sense there's something so different about our lives because we're carrying the tangible love of God. We're we're carrying those symptoms of what it means to be in the presence of God, that joy, that peace, that inner love and knowing. So the crux of this message revolves around two verses this morning, and it was Jesus' encounter with his Father. We have a water baptism service coming up in a few weeks. I really want to encourage you, if you haven't been water baptized, please get water baptized. It's a command of Christ, and as you do so, you'll experience blessing like Jesus did. You know, if Jesus had to be water baptized, then I think that includes a must for you and me. Luke 3.21, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, listen to this, number one, heaven was opened. Number two, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Number three, a voice came from heaven. Affirmation. Had Jesus done anything yet? A father will often offer words of affirmation if his son gets A grades on his report card. Well, Jesus hadn't even started his ministry when this incident happens. So his father's affirming him, not based on his acts, but based on who he is, the pure worth of a human soul. This is my beloved. This is the son I love. This is the daughter I love. Not because what you can do for me, but just because you're my creation. I've created you in my image and I love you. So the first thing is that We need to understand today that through Jesus Christ, heaven, number one, can be accessed. 
and open for us. Jesus made the way. There is now no longer a blockage from you and I to experience what God has on offer. He made a way. The separation and the walls that separate you from the love of God have now been broken and smashed down through the cross of Jesus Christ. Now you and I also have the ability to have access. You know, John 1, the end of John 1 says this, angels would ascend and descend over the life of Jesus' ministry. He walked under an open heaven. He had constant access to his Father. He was in such a close relationship that he said, the words that I speak, they're not my own, they're my Father's words. Wow, what a relationship. Friends, today you can access heaven the Father's love, all of his resources through the Son. He's made a way for you to do that. The second thing I see here is that at his Jesus' baptism, the touch of the Father came upon his life. The touch of God was there. The reality of something powerful, something that's invisible, yet is so life-changing. The touch of God was upon his life. The Father poured out the Holy Spirit, opened the heavens for Jesus, spoke words of affirmation over his life, and Jesus Christ, on day one of ministry, set out on ministry because he's absolutely running with the touch of God. Why is it, friends, that men so find it so difficult and afraid to touch? We get so locked up in ourselves. Maybe you've been raised with a father who was distant and unavailable emotionally to you. And so that's affected your perception of your heavenly father. And you find it difficult to hug your kids. In fact, you find it difficult to hug anybody. You know, you're the classic. Stand up, honey. You're the classic. You're the classic. Bless you. Sideways. The sideways Christian hug, you know. Because it's so difficult for you to be able to. Be warned when people do that to me, you're asking for a full-on hug in the Holy Ghost. Wherever Jesus went, he touched people. Did you know that? The Bible says wherever he went, he took someone by the hand. One of the most effective ways when you're praying for somebody is to take them by the hand and impart the power of God's love into their life. There's an impartation through touch. The touch of the Father was upon the Son that day. Third thing is we see words of love and affirmation from a heavenly Father. This is my beloved Son, or this is the Son whom I love so much, and I'm well pleased. Pleased with what? Or just that you're my Son? He hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't done any ministry at this point. He's 30 years old. He's just beginning on the mission and the assignment that God's given to him. 30 years apart from the age of 12 where we see an insight into what was happening as they went up to Jerusalem. But we see here that now the Father's saying, I'm so pleased with you. So many people have never heard that from their Father. And I want to say to you today, the Father's so pleased with you today because of 
the fact that you are you. Your intrinsic worth as a human being, beside all your acts or accomplishments or non-accomplishments today. You're my beloved son. You know, these are like, these words are like food to our spirit. What do they do for us? They establish identity. When we haven't been loved, we lack identity. And what do we do when we haven't been loved? We go looking for love in the wrong places. And we go on the search to try and find that love because we don't know who we are. We don't know our identity. We're so insecure. You know, when people stopped following Jesus, did you know that he had a year of popularity in the three years of ministry? He basically needed, but if we had him today, there'd be, there'd be, there'd be wrist pieces, there'd be security guards all around him because he was, wherever he went, he was mobbed by people. He was so popular for a year. And then the Bible says he started giving the hard sayings. If you want to be my disciple, take up your cross daily, daily. Take up your cross daily and come and follow me. And so the people loved all the miracles. They loved all the happy, clappy stuff. And then he started giving them the hard sayings. And the Bible says that many of them stopped following him. But did that affect Jesus? Was he going, oh, no, my fans, they've all gone. Oh, I'm so distraught. I'm not getting a thousand likes on Facebook anymore. It was like water off a duck's back to Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Because he knew who he was. He knew his identity as the Son of God. He knew daily he could experience and access his Father's love. So he was solid. He was secure. He knew where he was going and what he was called to do. So it didn't matter if he had criticism or persecution against his life. So many don't know this love of the Father today. You know, I had an amazing opportunity. My father was a loving man. We, we, we were raised on a, on a farm, but he was a very busy man. And, uh, and I got shipped off to boarding school. I left home at the age of 11. <sighs> 11, because I got shipped off to boarding school. And you know who become your fathers at boarding school? The prefects. You know who become your fathers? The schoolmasters. And they're not always loving. Some of them were great. Some of them weren't so great. But your whole concept of fathering changes when you're placed in that situation. And I was the first one in my family to come to know Christ. And I desperately prayed for my father. And I, had an, I don't have time to explain it today, but I had an encounter with God that led my father to come to Christ the very next day. In 24 hours, he was saved after I had an encounter and intercession with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord said to me, this very night your father will come to know. And both him and his girlfriend came to Christ. Powerful, completely turned his life around. And then we had some, we had some time to make up because I'd never been around him right since the age of 11 years old. And I was running a meeting, uh, we're involved in running a meeting and a big uh, tent, we had a big tent uh, revival going on in the little town of Shannon, just south of Palmerston North. And my father turned up with his girlfriend at the meeting. And I'm at the front and I'm worshipping the Lord in the worship. And the Lord says to me, 
I want you to go and apologize to your father for not being a good son. And I started arguing with God. And I said, me? Not being a good son? What about him? Not being a good father? And so I had this big argument going on between myself and the Holy Spirit. And then finally, you know, you just go plant your feet, that's it. But this nag, nag, nag going on in your spirit. And I knew I had to do something about it. And so as the, as the singing was going on, I walked around the back, came up the middle aisle and stood next to my dad. I turned to him. I said, Dad, sorry, but I haven't been a good son. He turned to me. He just broke down. Tears grabbed me in a beer. He was a big man, grabbed me a beer, and he wouldn't let me go. And he wept, and he wept. You see, that's what the love of God does. It takes the initiative. It takes the initiative. And you know what? I hadn't been a good son because I felt that he was a vacant and distant father from me, even though he was a good man. And so that it, I, I'd said in my heart, I'd said in my heart, I'm cutting myself off from your influence around my life. And when I went and humbled myself and obeyed the Lord, then my relationship with my father from that day forward completely changed. You know, the Bible says in the book of Malachi, the last prophecy of the Old Testament, that the whole world is going to come under a revival of sons returning to their fathers and fathers returning to their sons and daughters. That's what we're getting ready for, friends. It's going to turn the world upside down. Where does it all come from? Accessing the love of the Father in heaven. That's where it all begins. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes we're so busy serving, 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 running around, doing, 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 that the first sign that something isn't quite right in the Father's heart department for us is when we start complaining, and when we start criticizing others. Do you know what's happened to us? We've become like Martha. Two sisters, Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus, and Martha, who ran around doing, doing, doing. What happened to Martha? She began to criticize. Lord, why don't you tell my sister to come and help me? She was getting an attitude to the body of Christ. I'm always the one here serving. I'm always doing this. I'm always doing that. Friends, what had taken place? This is what had taken place. She had disconnected in her intimacy with Papa, with the Father, and she'd lost it because she was so busy doing, doing, doing. She hadn't made a priority to sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, when it's interesting the first attack we read in Scripture of the devil coming against Jesus Christ. This is what he says, and this is what the devil will say to you. Prove that you're the Son of God. Turn these stones into bread. You've been fasting for 40 days. You must be hungry. Why don't you show me your supernatural power and prove that you are the Son of God? Turn these stones into bread. And basically, Jesus' response to that was simply this. 
I don't have to prove who I am by what I do. So many love-starved, hungry-hearted people are trying to prove themselves and their worth by what they do. And Jesus said, I don't have to prove by my actions that I'm the Son of God today. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, I don't have to do any, anything because I'm in direct relationship with my Father. I don't take orders from you. I'm in relationship with him. Amen? Excuse me, I've got a bit of a sniffle this morning. So, the fourth thing and the final thing this morning that he did was that he poured the Holy Spirit. He descended like a dove, physical dove on Jesus. And when we're in relationship and we've accessed and we have an encounter with God, this is what happens to you. You don't have to strive to be successful anymore because the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he gives you power to succeed. He gives you power to be successful, to do the will of God. You're no longer under human power or steam power or coal power or electricity power. You're under Holy Spirit power and inspiration that enables you to do the will of God. Jesus was so steadfast and secure. The Old Testament says he set his face like a flint to Jerusalem. He was on an assignment. This is what he said in John 14, 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. The Holy Spirit who dwells in you, he does the works of Jesus through you, through your connection and accessing the love of the Father today. Every day, Jesus had access to the Father. Every day, he would know the touch of the Father on his life. The Bible says a great while before the sun came up, he went up to the mountains to pray. And he would sit down and he would talk the agenda of the day over with his Father. He would get the assignment for the day, where he's supposed to be, what he's supposed to be doing. He said, I only do the things that the Father shows me. Amen. Can you see how important this is for you to have a relationship and have access to heaven and the love of your heavenly father? It revolutionizes who you are as a person. It changes your life. Instead of being twisted and bitter about what you didn't get as you grew up, you can have access today to the love of this heavenly father. He's waiting for you today. You know, imagine this morning that you're in the playground and there's a big, burly bully and he's just beating up all the kids and you you become intimidated just like everybody else if you think that you're not alone but if you know that your heavenly father or in the natural if you know your father's just standing off the edge of the playground and he's bigger and he's stronger than that bully then you can have complete confidence that you have the backing of heaven behind you you know, when you're criticized, you don't have to throw stones back. This is what you can do when you've got the love of the Father in your heart. Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what they're doing. You don't have to fight fire with fire and chuck stones back at people when the love of the Father's in your life. Because, you know, he's got your back this morning. To finish off this morning. 
I want to ask you three questions that the Scripture asks us. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, this is what the Bible says. They had a daily appointment with the Father. He'd come down in the cool of the day, and he'd spend time with them. So one day, it's appointment time. Father says, oh, I must go. I've got to meet with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. So he heads down, except for the first time in their cycle, Adam doesn't turn up. So God asked the first question, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Can I ask you the question today? Where are you in relationship to your heavenly Father? This first question is a question of relationship with God. Are you so busy with your life doing, doing, doing that you've lost proximity with the Father? He's still waiting for you at that appointment every day for you to turn up and have fellowship with him. Where are you? Why did Adam? Why wasn't Adam there? Let me tell you why he wasn't there. Because he was afraid and he was ashamed. What acts of shame and guilt are separating you from experiencing intimacy with the Father? Because you can be sure if we fall into the trap of temptation and we don't understand the grace of our Heavenly Father, that it will stop us from exploring a relationship of intimacy with God. Many are hiding in life because of shame. Be truthful. Don't come to church and lift your hands and look like you've got it all together when you haven't got it all together. Be authentic and be truthful. Trying to fake it until you make it doesn't cut it because you'll feel the, you'll feel the evidence of emptiness inside of you when God's saying, I just want you to be real and truthful with me about how it really is and talk to somebody about it. The second thing, question, when Adam said, I was afraid and I hid from you, God, he said to him the second question, who told you that you were naked? This is the influence question. God wanted to know who'd been influencing Adam's mind, who had been putting poison into his spirit. Can I ask you today, if you're feeling distance between your heavenly Father and you, who told you? What influences have you been rubbing shoulders with that is diminishing the relationship that you have with your heavenly Father? The third question and the final one. He said, have you eaten of the fruit of the tree I told you not to? This is the responsibility question. When God asks us to do something and we don't do it, he holds us responsible. And unfortunately for Adam, as a result of this irresponsible behavior and actions, he found himself being passed a sentence of death on his sin of being separated. And you know what? He was cast out of the presence of God. He was separated. And thus the dilemma of the human race began at that point. And that's why Jesus had to come 
to restore us back so we can access today. The great news, friends, is simply this today, is that everything can be turned on its head today. If it's going in the wrong direction, if it's heading south for you today, you can turn it around simply by being honest and answering those three questions today. Where are you? Who told you that you were naked? Who's been influencing your mind? What influences have you had around your life? And the responsibility question, have you taken part in what I told you not to do? Okay, it's time to sort it out. It's time to get it right. It's time to get back on board. It's time to get on with Team Jesus and actually stop allowing the enemy to influence your mind today. So this morning as we finish the message, could we just stand to our feet? Just stand to our feet. Just stand to our feet.